Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Greetings in the name of Jesus. I greet all the saints of True Vine Pentecostal Church. Thank your pastor, Brother Durance. Thank you, sir, for allowing me to share the scripture and things about prophecy in the days to come. Also want to send a special greeting to Lee Blair and his family. God bless them. We've known them for many, many years. Their family's been in the church in Titusville. That was the church my father had started. And now Brother Jody Wells is the pastor of, but his grand, great-grandmother it would be, and uh, grandfather were the some of the founding members, members of that church. So they have a long lineage in Pentecost, and we're thankful to know them and thankful to have them part of our family. So I greet them in Jesus' name. So happy to be with you all tonight, and I hope in the next few nights here I can share some things with you that you will find valuable and understanding the tribulation, understanding the Antichrist, and understanding that we need to be ready for the rapture, which is right upon us. I believe Jesus can come right now. There's nothing left to be fulfilled in Scripture, and I believe the coming of the Lord is the next thing that we need to be ready for as the church so I want to start this by saying, please, if you are not ready for the rapture, get ready today. Jesus is coming. So let me direct your attention, and I want to talk about tonight just for an opening to where you understand where prophecy literally about the 70th week starts, and that is Daniel 70 weeks. Daniel 70 weeks are literally the backbone and the seedbed of Bible prophecy. All of Bible prophecy from the end of the Jews' captivity until the millennium can be placed within Daniel's 70 weeks. It is the seedbed of all biblical prophecy. Thus, it becomes primary in importance to understand this prophetical portion of Scripture. So I want to begin with Daniel chapter 24 and verse 24 and read through verse 27. And in a nutshell... This explains what's going to happen over this period of the 70th week, and you will understand then about tribulation. Revelation 9 and verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25, now know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Verse 26, and after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So I want to talk about this and sort of dissect this portion of Scripture for you and explain exactly what he's talking about with each sentence and each Scripture that has been revealed to us. 
Verse 24 starts off with 70 weeks are determined. So I want to note here the term weeks as used here comes from the Hebrew word heptad, which means seven things in the same sense that our dozen means 12 things. To the Jews, it could have referred to days, weeks, years, or seven periods of seven years each. If it is talking about weeks of days like Exodus 23 and 12, six days shalt thou do work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the sons of thine handmaiden and the stranger may be refreshed. It's also found in Deuteronomy 16 and 9, seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee, begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. And then there is a thing called the weeks of seven periods of seven years each. That's found in Leviticus 8, 2025, excuse me, Leviticus 25, verses 8 through 10. Thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of year unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. So basically when it says seven weeks, it's talking about forty-nine years. And on the fifth year, it explains it is the year of Jew, Jubilee. Now, Daniel 9 and 24 continues on, upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So when he is determining these weeks, he is determining them upon Israel and upon Jerusalem. Now listen to this because you have to understand that God was speaking to Daniel. So when he says thy people and thy holy city, he's talking to Daniel who was in Babylonian bondage as a Jew, a Hebrew. And he's saying thy people. It's very clear. He's not saying other people, but he's saying thy people and thy holy city. So this is determined upon Daniel's people, which are the Jews, and upon Daniel's holy city, which, of course, is Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, he goes on. Joel chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. But Judah shall dwell forever in Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. So there is a finish that has to come to the transgression to make an end of sins or the sin of Israel rejecting Jesus Christ and Messiah. Romans 11 and 27 says, For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So they've got to come back from rejecting Jesus to accepting him as Messiah and the King of Kings. And this is to make reconciliation, the scripture goes on, verse 24, for iniquity. In other words, through the death of Jesus Christ, reconciliation came. Romans 5 and 10 says, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is the reconciliation that must come to Israel. Now, we have received that reconciliation. We know the word of reconciliation, and we have accepted him as our king and as our Lord. But Israel, when they rejected him, crucified him on the cross, they stepped into transgression, they killed the Messiah, and they rejected him. And therefore, the Bible says, Paul speaking in Corinthians, their eyes are now blinded from the message and from the truth of Jesus Christ as their king. <clears throat> So the next portion in verse 24 is to bring in everlasting righteousness. This covers such a span of space here in, in very short wording. It goes all the way through from uh, 
the rejection of Jesus Christ from the destruction of Jerusalem, the rejection of Jesus Christ into uh, sin, transgression that they have committed, blinding of their eyes. And now all of a sudden we're all the way up to the millennium to bring in everlasting righteousness, a thousand years of the reign of peace of Christ upon the earth with Israel. And then he continues to seal up the vision and the prophecy. And he's referring to Daniel's vision of prophecy of the 70 weeks were sealed up until later. And the last is to anoint the most holy. And this is to open the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth. You remember Jesus stepping into the temple in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. And he read these words of scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. So you have to understand that Jesus had an anointing when he was on this earth to do the work that he came to do, anointed to preach the gospel, heal the sick, brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty the souls of mankind. Israel missed an incredible chance to know who Jesus really was, but they were so proud in themselves and so idolatrous in their heart that they rejected it. Daniel 9 and 25 goes on to say, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, three score, which is 60, and two weeks. The street shall be built again, the wall even in troublous times. And after, verse 26 says, and after threescore and two weeks, or 62 weeks, shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Know, therefore, and understand. The commandment constitutes the starting point of the 70 weeks. And it draws us all the way back to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When Artaxerxes the king, literally in the month of Nisan, brought uh, the prophet before him and told Nehemiah, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. He saw his face, saw his spirit was broken. And he said, go back to Jerusalem with my decree and rebuild the city and the streets, the walls and the streets. And so when he commanded Nehemiah to do this, this also can be found in the book of uh, Ezra, because those both were dealing with the rebuilding of the streets and the walls of Israel. The commandment was in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, or 445 BC, which is the month of Nisan, March. And this is what the scripture says, unto Messiah the Prince. Messiah the Prince can only refer to Jesus Christ. There's one thing you need to always notice in scripture. Anytime the words Messiah, Prince, King, Lord are capitalized, it's talking about Jesus Christ never talking about the Messiah. Every time it talks about the Messiah, and besides the fact, excuse me, the Antichrist, every time it talks about him, he is referred to as prince with a small letter P. The other thing is, he is never referred to as Messiah, okay? He is not a Messiah. He is not a king. He is the prince of Satan, basically, is what the scripture tells us. So seven weeks and three score and two weeks are determined to Messiah. The total time from the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah is 69 weeks, which is 7 plus the 62, which equals 69 weeks. The total of 69 is divided in segments of 7 weeks and 62 weeks. 
The streets shall be built again, the wall even in troublous times. And this is referring to Nehemiah when he built and rebuilt the walls and the streets of Jerusalem in troublous times when Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, and Geshem were all trying to thwart the work of uh, Jerusalem and thwart the walls being rebuilt because they wanted it to be a destroyed city and it hurt people. So after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. And this is capitalized notes. Shall Messiah, capital M, be cut off, but not for himself. This is the second division of the 70th weeks. So from the building of the walls in the streets of Nehemiah until the second division, which is the cutting off of Messiah. That's the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 and 8 says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. So he died for the sins that Israel rejected him and for the sins of us as Gentiles, because he came unto his own, John chapter 1 says, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So when Israel rejected him and were blinded by their idolatry and their transgression, thank God he opened the door to the dogs called Gentiles and let us in and gave us salvation and redemption. And we were happy to receive Jesus Christ, Messiah, into our lives. So Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was not crucified for not of his own. Messiah is cut off, but not for himself, the scripture says, but for the sins of the whole world. He didn't die because he was a sinner. He died because we were sinners, and he died as a sacrificial lamb. Verse 26 of Daniel continues to say, and the people, which is the old Roman Empire of the prince, Notice the non-capitalization, which is the Antichrist, that shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of war of desolations are determined. Between the first 69 weeks and the last week, introduced in verse 27, there is a break or a space of time. In the space of time between the end of the 69th week and the beginning of the 70th week, several things are going to happen. First off, a certain prince not capitalized, shall arise. The people of the prince will destroy the city of Jerusalem and the sanctuary. Note that the prince of verse 26 is not the same prince of verse 25. The prince of verse 25 is capitalized. It's talking about the Messiah, the prince. So the prince of verse 26 is someone else whom will later identify as the Antichrist. Also notice the prince will not destroy the city but the people of the prince will come and destroy the city. This is talking about uh, Titus and Vespasian of the Roman Empire that came in and destroyed Jerusalem, tore the temple down. They even took the foundation stones and many of the big stones that held the temple in place, and they carried them to the four corners of the earth where they could never rebuild the temple again. Daniel 9 and 27 goes on to say, he shall confirm the covenant. That happened in 70 AD, excuse me. That's when Titus and Vespasian came in. Daniel 9 and 27, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. 
So the covenant here spoken of uh, is the Mosaic covenant of the law. In other words, he replaces and brings back the ability to offer sacrifice in the temple to Jehovah that the Jews have not been able to do for centuries. And he is going to sign a covenant of peace. The Antichrist is going to sign this covenant of peace with Israel. And of course, the Bible says it is covenant of, with death and hell. It also calls it when Jesus said, when men shall say peace, peace, then cometh sudden destruction. For a short period of time, three and a half years, he will allow Israel to offer sacrifices to Jehovah in the temple as they did in the tabernacle and in Solomon's temple and in Zerubbabel's temple. But now he is allowing them to do it in a reconstructed temple in Jerusalem, and he will allow them to do this for three and a half years. And then the prince that will come will allow this only for a short period of time. And in the midst of the week, he'll cause this sacrifice and oblation to cease. This is where the division of the last week is in two parts. He divided it by saying in the midst of the week. After the first half of the covenant is broken, the prince breaks his agreement, this death and hell covenant, and then he causes uh, the Jews to be warred against. Literally, he turns against them in a horrible uh, anger and hate, a diabolical hate, and he causes their ceremonial sacrifice and oblation to cease. And that starts what is called uh, the abomination of desolations. The place of the Jews that is so holy, the holy of holies, where the blood is applied to the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. The Bible said the prince, small letter P, shall set up overspreading abominations and desolations. In other words, in this last portion of the seventh week or the last three and a half years of the tribulation, he will set up his own image in the tabernacle and he will cause the world to fall before him. This is where the false prophet gets involved and he causes the whole earth to fall before him and worship him and to take his mark. And as many that do not take his mark, he will be head. This is the same spirit that Nebuchadnezzar had. If you remember the story of Daniel and uh, the three Hebrew boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they literally would not bow. And the reason this is, it goes back before that when Daniel interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar heard uh, in the midnight hours a dream from God, but it went from him. No one could answer it. He called for all of his uh, astrologists, all of his magicians, all of his soothsayers, and he tried to get them to give him the answer to his dream. They could not. And they all said, there is no one in the kingdom that can do this. There is no God above or God below that could give the king his answer. Well, he gave them a certain amount of days and said, I'll kill you all if you do not give me the answer. So he brings Daniel back in. And this is brought in by uh, one of his head men who knew that Daniel had a walk with God and knew things in prophecy and in the spirit of the Lord talking to him. And he told Daniel, you must come and tell the king his dream. And so when Daniel prayed to the Lord, the Lord gave him the interpretation of the dream. And when he stepped into Nebuchadnezzar's uh, great glorious throne room, he told him, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, 
there is a God who knows exactly what you dream because he's the one that gave you this dream. But he literally preached him a small sermon before he ever gave the interpretation thereof and tried to turn him to understanding that God Jehovah was the only God to worship and to fall down before. But then he tells the explanation of this dream. And what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed was of a great colossus or a great image. The image was made out of gold in the head, the shoulder and the chest were, and arms were of silver, the belly and the thighs were of brass, and then he had iron legs, and then it went down to the feet of iron and clay mixed. These were a typification of the kingdoms of Gentiles that would rule the earth from Nebuchadnezzar onward. The one thing you need to realize is the degradation of the materials. It starts with the most precious, gold, which had glory to it, honor to it, and value. And then it goes to silver, so it's already taken a step down. It's not worth as much. It's still pretty, but it's just not worth as much. It doesn't have the value. And then when you get to brass, it's just almost like a, a change that comes upon this image. So the kingdoms become the degrading degrading less and less power is not as much their glory is not as much and when you get to the legs of iron which is talking about the roman empire and the eastern and the western of the roman empire it is iron because they ruled with an iron fist and then of course the feet were a mixture of iron and clay and this is the revival or the revision of the roman empire which has 10 toes or will be 10 kingdoms that unite together and give the Antichrist his power in the last days. And that is a mixture of iron and clay, so it cannot stand. So when Daniel reports this to the king, he is elated because of this beautiful image that he sees in his mind. But then Daniel says, and while I beheld this image, he said, there was a stone hewn out of the mountain, stone hewn without hand, he said, and it came rolling down the mountain. And as it rolled, it grew in size, speed, and power. And he said, when it hit the feet of this image, it destroyed, it absolutely ground to powder the kingdoms of the earth. And then he reveals that this is the kingdom of the great God of glory, and all will fall before him when this is over. So his judgment comes upon this kingdoms of the world that try to rule and try to say they are God. <clears throat> here, is the, here is the thing that Nebuchadnezzar missed. He saw the image. He was impressed by the gold, but he forgot all about the stone. And the Bible says that he erected this image in uh, Babylon, and he set up a golden image of himself in the midst of Babylon and caused the entire rulers of the world to come before him. Now, this was the time when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, when you hear the music, you will, wherever you are, it doesn't matter what time of the day or the night and wherever you are, you will fall to your knees and you will worship my image. They said no. <clears throat> of course, they stuck out like sore thumbs in the midst of this generation. That's what we're doing right now. The church is standing out more and more in this generation because we hold to holiness to righteousness, and to the word of God that cannot be thwarted in any way. And so in that measure, Nebuchadnezzar calls them, tells them, you will bow. Uh, he's angry. He, he has a furnace to burn them in. He makes it seven times hotter. 
The guards that made it hotter were burned to death. He binds them hand and foot, casts them into the fire because they said, it doesn't matter whether we die or live, we will not bow. And when he cast them into that fire, the Bible said he looked back into the furnace. Of course, if that fire was so hot, it destroyed the men who were shoveling into it to make it hotter. Imagine how hot it was in the midst of it. But yet when he looked into the midst of the fire, the Bible said he saw four men walking in the midst of the fire. And he asked one of the men beside him, how many did we throw in? They said three. He said, well, I see four. And this is the only time in the Old Testament these words are ever spoken. He said, and the fourth is like unto the Son of God. That's the only time that's ever spoken, ever written, ever recorded, is when the king, the first Gentile kingdom, realized that no matter what he does, there is a fourth man in the fire who has the power the glory and the honor, and there is no way you're going to ever supersede or overcome him. So when he looks down in this fire, he calls Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and I've always found that funny because he never calls the one who looks like the Son of God. He only calls the three Hebrew children out said, come out. And the Bible said when they came out, there was no smell of smoke upon them, no singeing of their hair or their clothes, and all the bindings that he had put on them were burnt away. This is the freedom of Jesus Christ. You can't get around that. Jesus Christ sets us free from the bonds of this world and from the flames of ungodliness. And when they walked out, he said, who is the God that delivered you? They expelled to him again that this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jehovah. Of course, it comes to be Jesus and Nebuchadnezzar says, now everybody must fall before uh, Jehovah. So he builds this image, and this is the same attitude of the Antichrist. From the beginning of the Gentile kingdoms all the way to the end of the Gentile kingdoms, that same spirit is alive and moving. And that same spirit is trying to build its own image in the midst of it. And this is what the Antichrist does. He raises up his own image that the world bow before him and worship him as God. But he is not God. He is just a son of perdition. He is a production of Satan. And the Lord will destroy him in the last days. And he will be cast into the bottomless pit with the false prophet and with the devil. <clears throat> so these 70 weeks that we're talking about are the weeks of when the Lord <coughs> brings tribulation against the people of Israel. The whole purpose of the tribulation, and let me explain that as clearly as I know how. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 should set us to understanding. The verse of scripture starts out by saying the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the first sentence in Revelation 1 and 1. This is not about the Antichrist not about the false prophet, not about the mark of the beast, not about the tribulation. It's not about any of those things. It is about Jesus Christ being revealed to the Israelites, to Jews, where they can fall to their knees and say, my Lord and my God, as Thomas did in the New Testament when Jesus was resurrected. And this is the whole purpose of the 70th week, that the Lord brings Israel back to their knees again that Israel comes to the understanding of who he is and accepts him as Messiah, 
the prince. I am so glad we as the church accepted him and brought him to our hearts and our lives and accepted his great salvation. I want to try to finish this up if I can. Uh, I know time is running out on us. Daniel 9 and 26, the second portion of that verse, the end thereof shall be with the flood unto the end of the war of desolations are determined. There is a gap between the 69th and the 70th week. And all the space of time between the 69th and 70th week will be characterized by war as the 70th week itself approaches. So how long is the space between the 69th and 70th week? So in terms of years, we don't know, nor I do not believe we will know, because the scripture says, of that day, no man knoweth the day or the hour. So in the term of when we escape what this world is now, and the event when 70th week begins, it is, a, it is called the church dispensation. This is some of the hardest things for some people to understand. But there is a gap there that lets you to know that something has to happen in between there. Acts chapter 15 and verse 13. And after they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon, which is Simon Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. So when the Jews rejected Jesus Christ, a gospel was sent to Cornelius's house and they accepted him and received the Holy Ghost. The scripture said with the Jews that were there said, as well as we, in other words, they spoke with other tongues just like they did. So when you get to Romans 11 and 25, Paul's writing, for I would not, brethren, you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. This is the church age that we do not have a time element on. And Israel's blind now as a nation, and there are few that come into the belief and the and the faith of Jesus Christ, but for a whole, the blindness of Israel continues until the fullness of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Romans 11 and 26 and 27. So all Israel shall be saved, that is, is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer that shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant when I shall take away their sins. And that's what Daniel 9, 24 and 27 says, to finish the transgression and to uh, cause a cleansing of the iniquity of their sins. The forgiveness of sins must come. So the fullness of the Gentiles is that church age gap that they can't see. This was not about the Jews, but this was about the bride of Christ that he set apart. And that's why Jesus says to Simon, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is a time there when Jesus Christ is building his church. There are three building uh, scriptures in the Bible, and that is the first, when God created the heavens and the earth, he built a place for mankind to live and to dwell and to be fruitful and multiply. The second building project of Jesus Christ is the church, when he said, I will build my church, future sense, and that is from my death on, the church will be built until a certain portion of time. And then the third building is when he said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And when I come again, I will receive you unto myself, talking about the rapture of that bride, taking her to a heavenly or a new Jerusalem, which he is preparing for us now. So that is the third building project 
in place. I can't tell you when the rapture is going to take place. No man can tell the time. We know the seasons, but we do not know the day nor the hour. But Simon declared at first that the Gentiles would be a people taken out for his namesake. And to this agree, the words of the prophets, as it is written, Acts chapter 14, uh, 15, verses 14 through 17. <clears throat> After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. And the great thing about the tabernacle of David is talking about the church uh church age basically because david saw the outpouring of the holy ghost david saw speaking with other tongues and he saw things through a prophetic eye that no other king was able to see and god used him and that is why the bible constantly speaks in the new testament when people came up they said jesus thou son of david the good thing about that was in the lineage of david and the lineage of jesus christ gentiles were thrust into that rahab the harlot Ruth, the Moabite, and we became a part of the lineage. And that's why Jesus talks about the grafting of the wild branch into the olive tree. And we are also heirs and joint heirs unto Abraham. We are the sons of Abraham. So we are, we are blessed to be the church of Jesus Christ and the bride. The one thing you must remember through it all is Israel is always referred to as the wife in scripture, never referred to as the bride. The church is always referred to as the bride of Christ. I'll try to elaborate a little more about that in the days of come. So we, we are at the place of understanding that the church is going to be raptured out of this old world. And this last week will start when the church is gone. The wrath will not be poured out until the church is gone. And I'll deal with that when we talk about the rapture. I know I've gone a little longer than I expected to tonight, but I, there is so much in the Word of God that I just I just can't stop. So I thank you for indulging me and hope you've enjoyed the scripture. I'm going to also send some uh, PowerPoints with this where Brother Blair and Brother uh, Durant can share that with you, and you're welcome to them and to use them as you please. Uh, they are not copyrighted. They're free domain but you can use them and see some things a little more clearly in the charts that I will send and share with you. Uh, they may want to print them down for you, some of those charts, because they're very valuable to put into your Bible and use later on in understanding the scripture and the time element of Daniel 78. God bless you. It's been a pleasure to be with you tonight and looking forward to the next session. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.